0: So I think probably a good place to start is a, is a thank you, actually, to Kimmy and Leanne for the research and all the work that's gone into this. Um, absolutely incredible piece. I think it was exciting anyway, we've all been talking about future work, but um, and then obviously bringing the insight of Mitch. But I think probably if we start with a bit of an intro, um, those mm-hmm. who don't know me, Richard Gagan, founder of Adam, um, obviously 14 years now in this sort of hiring talent world, um, but a massive interest in where the world's going, industry, the economy, that sort of thing. And for those who see my kids quite quite sort of uh, active, in my opinion. Um, and, and what about you, Mitch? Do you want to just do a bit of an intro on yourself? Uh, yeah, happy for you to do that. I'm, I can do it as well. <laughs> oh. so, uh,
1: so, yeah, I'm Adam Mitchson. I'm the CEO and co-founder of My2B, which is a people success platform. So we help connect, develop and engage your, your teams uh, remotely around the world Uh, using AI and machine learning with things such as scaled mentoring across your organization.
0: So when you were looking at the piece, Mitch, you you have lots of great ideas about this. Um, One of the massive things for me is is how mentoring is going to affect agile working, um, engagement, culture, learning, development, that kind of thing. What what would you say are the the key areas that um, your platform is going to bring, I guess, to this this new world that we're going to
1: work in so there's there's a couple of different things and um sometimes it depends on the organization and where their focus area is um naturally what a lot of people do with with the mentoring initiative is rather than just introduce it to an entire company in its instance they'll do it with a smaller section of the company before they then roll it out and at scale um, so a company we're working with in Silicon Valley, they um, their focus is diversity and underrepresented uh, groups. So, the, you know, your, your BAME community. And ironically, a lot of this was happening. We've been working on this for about a month now with them to, to get this um, initiative going. And with everything that's been going on in the world at the moment, um, it's really, really sort of at the forefront of everyone's mind, which is just that's bringing it to everyone else's attention as well. So that a lot of people are thinking, how can we do things like that and, and what can we do with it? So a focus on you know, developing that talent um, within is another one um, that ties into that because the focus of this is that we give those people who are underrepresented, who maybe don't have the network or the access that they previously would have had, access to those people who can help them move up the ladder and recognize the talent um, and then create a more diverse Work, not just a diverse workforce, but diverse management structure. Um, I mean, that's that's one of the areas that it's, it's really focusing on at the minute. Um, but again, it can be on the various different aspects of the challenges of remote work. When um, I mean, we, we put this into the white paper, we, we focused on it that there's um, the challenges of remote work, are often the same that you have with a team in general, if you're in the same office, the communication, recognising talent, retaining staff, Uh, keeping a good culture. There's a lot of those things with remote work that are just as much as a challenge. And the better we get with the communication side and things like that with with Teams, with Zoom, with the various other aspects, the easier that becomes. And it it just breaks down a lot of barriers. And what a mentoring sort of program can do is give you some sort of structure to it. So we have quite an informal approach, quite a holistic approach to it. Um, But when you've got a sort of framework around it, it really helps move it in the direction you want to go in.
0: So one of my concerns, I guess, it's an opportunity if it's done well, is when everybody's agile working remote, um, is those subtle learnings that I know in my early career, you're working with people who've got just talent and experience that you don't have, and, and just by incidental, not formalised training, you get to watch people around you, and you get to see what good looks like. Um, how can you bring that to life, for example, with your platform, but in the working environment generally, what have you seen in Silicon Valley, for example, where they're really, really strong at bringing on people who they may not actually see these people physically more than maybe, you know, five times a year.
1: Yeah, I mean, the, um, the interesting thing around that is, is the L&D side of things is um, there's a thing called the 70-20-10. It's not necessarily a problem, but there's a statistic where um, around 90% of your workplace learning is actually done informally, either through the water cooler conversations or at the desk, just asking someone, how do you do this? How do you fix that? Compared to ten percent of your formal, sat down, sort of classroom-based yeah. training, yeah, that's where most of the budget goes because that's the cost side of it in a lot of ways. So bringing in, again, focused areas to the what is it you want to do? Is it upskilling? Is it focusing on that? Is it? That's where that can help with a with a platform like ours. And the the charge that Silicon Valley have been making with remote work. I mean, it's not. This is it. Remote work isn't new. It's been around for a while and. You know, as a company, we were betting on this. We were putting everything in, thinking that remote work going to be the way it's happening. And there was a couple of little indicators that, that gave us that um, initiative to say, this is the way the world's going to go and we're going to back it. And one of them was when I was in Silicon Valley in October last year, I actually started seeing more of these companies collaborating, which I'd never seen before. You know, normally they're like, we have to do everything they're doing, but better. Um, so you had like the likes of Box, Zoom, Opta, um, yeah Slack, like all together, because they recognize who's best in class at what they do. And the, so for Box, they say, like, we have the best file sharing and a workspace. So we can work Zoom, because they've got the best video tech. And Slack do the same thing. Slack have got in video tech, they use Zoom, and they're with Zoom. So they're actually just putting the heads together rather than putting heads for a change. So that was massive to see that. The other thing is that both Silicon Valley in San Francisco is now so expensive, probably one of the most expensive cities in the world to live and work in, the talent level is not necessarily dropping but your base level, your graduate level, you can get 10 graduates in Manchester than you can get in San Francisco so it's just totally different so they're actually starting to think because the tech side is getting especially on the and again more and more apps getting plugged into these platforms and things like ours and what we do plugged into them and into the systems. The integrations to what's changing a lot of this. So there's various platforms and various and focus areas. And it's what is it, what is your focus area and what's you plug it in? You know, some are specialists in your communication, some are specialists in your workplace development, some are specialists in culture. So they're actually recognising that actually we can all bolt on together and it's almost like a big jigsaw coming together.
0: I think as well it creates massive budget opportunities for me because if you look internationally, you gave the comparison of Silicon Valley. If you look at even London to Manchester, our previous London office was a quarter the size of our Manchester office and cost more. And so yeah. you look at office space and the reduction there and then you look at salary comparisons, like you say, it becomes more competitive. Um our ability to hire somebody who could remote work was always there, but it wasn't probably as practical without Teams and Zoom and those kind of things. And you probably worry about the culture and engagement, meaning that you don't really want to have somebody who feels like they're out on the limb. That, for me, has completely gone on its head and created an opportunity for us to now just look for the best people in any location, really. Um, building on your point about Silicon Valley, yeah, I, I think there's a perception in terms of what we do in terms of hiring and, and onboarding people that you wouldn't want to work in a market where you can't meet people. Well that, that again has changed and it's probably a bit old-fashioned uh, say and maybe we, we've obviously learned from that. So I think the opportunity is massive. Um, and in terms of um, if you like the sociable side, what have you seen done well in terms of, because I, I get the fact that the mentoring side, the platform's great and from our perspective hiring is a massive opportunity. How do you think it's going to look, there's a look and feel. I do think there are people who love working in an office, love to see yeah. people beers after work coffee in the morning whatever it might be yeah. what, what's been done well there in terms of uh, Well,
1: you can't you can't beat that i mean like in terms of a human experience like so we we have it built in be- into our <laughs> platforms when you're meeting options face yeah. to face with the first one always because if you had the option to do it that's the best connection you can make um and we you know we always clasp ourselves as a piece of technology to facilitate a human experience not replace it um so that's that's something that you, you want to capture and you want to do where possible. But the advancement for forward where you can have that, um, where you can work remotely as a team and distribute. But I think the social side of it, I mean, there's some almost basic things like setting in Slack channels um, where you can, you know, you have like TV shows where people share. So get in of that office chat sort of stuff like you know, what was on last night football chat, you know, all the bits and pieces going on so you still getting a bit of it um because i mean we had this in the first few weeks where myself and co-founder damien like every time we, we checked in with each other it, it, via zoom it was basically work it was just like work, work, work. And it was like i think it was about two weeks in before we sort of stopped i'm like what have you been watching this or have you been doing that with, like just i just wanted to see what's going on like i've not really spoke to you about anything but work for two weeks um so we'd we lost a bit of that and i think that's where i think this is where you're going to see more advancements in technology Though know? i mean The the zoomed out was a phrase that we saw a couple of weeks in, wasn't it? It was like everyone was getting a bit like, it was a bit intense. It's a bit, because you're always looking at yourself as well. Everyone's like, I can see myself and I can see (laughs) how I'm moving. So everyone's always on. So it's quite intensive in terms of energy expense. So I think you'll see, I don't know what it is yet, but I think we'll see something, whether it's the physical, the hardware or um, the software side of it, creates that more social environment that will allow a distributed office. Yeah, um, But I actually think my personal opinion, what I think is going to happen is actually, and you know I think the girls actually did a lot of research on this and, and found some great examples of it particularly was IBM, so I, I think IBM went fully remote a couple of years ago then reverted on the decision now I think they reverted on that decision because they were in a world that wasn't fully remote so they, they've been fully remote works in terms of getting things done but because the rest of the world wasn't with it, it was like not me, meeting up with people, not seeing things, I think that was a bit of a blocker. And I think we'll see that. I think we'll see like a 50-50 split or, you know, a 60-40, 20 or something where you have half your office size that you had previously, but it's more of a hub. It's like, right, drop in if you want, you know, or if you're in the office, pick your days this week. um, Yeah, um, yeah. And, you know, just more flexible working, flexible hours because we've seen things like the commute, you know, going down, the the impact, the carbon impact. Again, this is going into so many different areas of it um so i think there's, there's going to be a massive shift with that but i think again going back to that what examples have we seen where they've done things well is you know i think you guys are not just saying this you have been a good example of that you, you kept in, you've, you've already got a great office culture and you kept it going so you, you've done a few different things you'll be able to say better than i have um that what you've done to do that and maintain that
0: well, well, it's funny you should say that, and Leanne can probably chip in in a minute, I think, with, with Herbie's because it's obviously critical to the operational running of the business, and I think um, the thing I've noticed is the equality of, of meetings and people that maybe were a bit disengaged in certain meetings or if you had a weekly meeting that was, not compulsory, it's not our culture, but a sales meeting, for example, you just couldn't help it, some people were more engaged than others. Yeah. Um, I've noticed that massively improved things in terms of communication. There's a downside. I think the zoomed out, bit's a great point. I think you can have too many meetings. I think if, if you're physically in an office and somebody says, can I meet you a minute after the last meeting? You'd probably say, well, hang on a minute. I need to go make a coffee and stuff. So I think there'll be a bit of that, which I think is partly self-time management and part, partly to other people. I think it's important with meetings that if you are a bit asynchronous or people's diaries are out or one person's agile and remote working, is respecting their time and when they're working, and it isn't now as rigid. I think it was, it was easy to be a bit lazy there, say it previously, where but well, we're all in the office at let's say eight thirty, nine in the morning. We're all here till broadly speaking, five thirty. So you could pretty much ask for a meeting and now you'll get one. I think now it's different. Um, but I do I've definitely already noticed that the amount of time I'm getting back by not commuting and I presume it'll be not walking across Manchester and London and and, and whenever you're in physically in, in places it's just so much better that you can actually do so much more but i do think you have to be careful because i've definitely done i've definitely done days where the meetings are intense they're long they're back to back there's very few breaks and you you don't really notice it until after when you suddenly get this massive headache or you don't quite feel right a little but um but yeah because anecdotally what have you seen in terms of our our business and and how any meetings that that maybe i've not been in that you've seen or anything interaction-wise what, what yeah, improved-
2: really similar to what you guys have kind of already covered. I mean, obviously we know that we've had this technology set up for the best part of two years and it was only being forced into using it that we realised quite how it could free up our time, as you were saying, and like obviously, as you guys know, I can move over from Liverpool to Manchester every day under normal circumstances, and it's the same experience for me. The amount of time I get back is incredible. Well, I did at first find myself again, you, you end up spending that time continuing to work sort of longer hours rather than it giving you sort of more time and more freedom in your own life and some balance. Um, and generally speaking, I found that that's really similar for people across the business. And so now I think we've got to a point where it's accepted that you don't have to be available all the time, every second of every day. And instead, actually, you can just put a communication out there to somebody in the business and they'll respond in the time that suits them best. And I think we've really started to embrace that over the last few weeks in particular. And the point you made about meetings and um, giving voices to other people, I think something I've really noticed with, with our company, because we've got a few people, myself included, that are quite introverted. And so in a big group meeting, you wouldn't necessarily always speak out. It's not that you've not got anything to add or that you're not interested in the conversation, but yeah. there are other louder personalities that are going to take over. So you just kind of take a back seat and allow them to speak. Whereas on this kind of format, it's a lot easier to actually sort of take up that space, as it were, and to be involved in a conversation because no, I guess it's you've not got everybody all around you, which can be quite distracting, picking up on social cues of everybody that's there involved in your room. Everyone's just there in front of you on this little, little rectangular screen. And so it's a lot easier for introverts to, I guess, be more involved. The flip yeah. side of that, though, is obviously extroverts that need that social interaction to literally keep them going. You're all nodding and nodding. Yeah. <laughs> that's so true you're getting the opposite effect. You're not benefiting from this. So it's, I'm seeing people that would normally be the really vocal ones in meetings stay dead quiet because they're just not getting the interaction that they need to fuel their own ideas and their own creativity. So we're gonna have to find a balance. It, it's as simple as that really. Like you say about using an office as a hub, like obviously we've we've got a physical office space that is big enough for the, the current headcount plus more. We've got room for growth. But the reality is I don't think we'll use it that way in the future and I think that is generally speaking the sort of biggest trend that I'm seeing is lots of people saying we still need a physical space to be able to get people together but you're not going to be obliged to be there all day every day like you were before I mean are you I think the same sort of thing Adam? Yeah and
0: you
1: know I think one thing that is um, it maybe wasn't considered at the start um, I think it it did develop though over the lockdown was whilst that we're all in this together was the initial reaction. Everyone's in this in their own very individual way. Um, <laughs> you, it doesn't matter what your living situation is, whether you live alone, live with family, live with partners, with live lived kids. It's like everyone's going through this in some sort of unique experience. And it was something again, I only realized this last week or so. Uh, my cousin's got three daughters, um, four is the eldest. Um, so <laughs> he's he calls his house to do. You know, he says <laughs> it's, he says it's just uh, on. He's on twenty four hours a day. Yeah. When the kids give them a break, him and his wife, they get like ten minutes to sit down and have a brew, and and like then they're back again. Um, and then in the evening, when the kids go to bed, they've got no nothing left. They're absolutely spent. So mm-hmm. he he can't work from home. Like he. he he works in the construction business and you know he has to go on site I think you know for it anyway but I suppose he could have done some of it remotely in terms of what he does but to find a physical space at home and to find an area where he can even be quiet for half an hour and phone calls like I, he couldn't do it he'd have to be like sat on his bed and even then it's like that leaves his missus looking after the three mm-hmm. kids it's it's just that he can't really do it so I never considered that if I was honest. I never really thought about that. that must be a really difficult working situation for a lot of people that they're in. They haven't got I mean, I'm in my kitchen slash living room at the minute, which you know it's one, it's a flat and it's one basically one big room. Um and I haven't got an office space such as such. So other people have got offices, other people haven't. You know, everyone's got these different, it's unique to you. So I think when you have the option available of it an office a lot of people might go because they'll find like a level of productivity or they'll be able to just crack on with a few things I mean on a personal level working from home for me I there's a coffee shop that's next door and I used to just go there and do like two hours but it's been shut since lockdown because I'd be really productive in that two hours when I'm at home and I'm sort of I I find it easy to get distracted or flick the telly on and put Sky Sports News on or something like that and just sort of you know, start looking beyond the computer at it and things like that when something comes up. Whereas I have that focus two hours in the one spot, and I'm just on it, and I'll do it. Yeah um, so I think we will see the return to the office where it's available. i think I think I think it's going to be a balance. I don't there is a lot of the quality, about that's what a lot of people are saying, and they're saying it like again, going back to Silicon Valley, and you know Twitter made the first jump when they said you could be remote indefinitely. we've got an office and then all the others you know naturally one leader does it the rest of them sort of follow suit Mm -hmm. i think facebook google at least until 2021 now are going to be remote and these are companies that have invested millions they've got billions in their campuses they're not even offices (laughs) you know they're they're almost like theme parks it's it's uh you know look at apple five billion that office cost i think so it's i'd imagine they all want people in it (laughs) Um, just they've got enough cash in the bank not to worry about something like that I think they're in that space and again coming back to creativity and flowing ideas it is something you can't always beat but I I, I think it's going to be a balance I don't think you're going to get a full I think we were obviously forced into that first couple of weeks of it Um, I'd I'd be shocked if it did go that way Um, and I think we're already starting to see people ease into it and getting that balance again
2: yeah we'll probably see more distributed workforces than we ever have done but I think they'll definitely be more leaning towards the balance of the two I mean like Kimmy you worked remotely for yeah I mean
3: the re I was just going to say like as a sort of flip side like I'm very introverted um at the start of this year I started working it was from home um and the reason that I started looking for something else and the reason I came to Adam was because even as an introvert and even as somebody that's used to spending time on my own, working on my own, I was feeling really isolated and I missed humans, I missed seeing people and so yeah, even as somebody that I thought I would be suited for working from home life and I'm just like, I, I need, I need humans, I need the collaboration, I need the hi, how are you, how was your weekend kind of thing. It's it can be really isolating and it is a concern from a mental health and well-being perspective as well so yeah
0: absolutely and i think as well you, you kind of you look at it at the moment and it feels like it's normal because we all know that we're all in our own working environments so you don't feel like you're missing out so that kind of fear of missing yeah. out when you find out that half the team are in the office and they've actually planned to go for a few beers after work or they're having a nice lunch somewhere or you know might be doing a bit of shopping in town, whatever it might be I think that's when we'll see a, a shift again but economically i think there's, there's obviously in most cities now going to be a, a lot of capacity for office space so yeah. so it's quite interesting I, I think that could change quite a bit where you get multi-purpose and, and you know much better than me what these campuses are like but i would imagine if you're using apple example you've got people who probably travel there and don't go there all the time if you just make it more accommodating so that people can actually when they are there you know maybe part of it now turns into accommodation blocks or yeah maybe some some of the larger offices now half of it becomes apartments um yeah, as an I think,
1: example.
0: yeah
3: sorry, sorry yeah. i sorry i was just saying as an example of that it's what um amsterdam are doing at the moment yeah. because they have such a huge growth they can't build houses faster fast enough for people that need them um but they've been building lots of office space uh, but with everything changing at the moment, they are trying to change these office buildings that are half completed into apartment buildings and housing and things like that to try and deal with the housing issue, as opposed to because people don't need offices anymore. So, yeah.
1: Yeah, yeah I, I think um, that's, that's what we'll start seeing more of. I think the, the commercial spaces are going to have to rethink the model a bit as well. I think um, the co-working model is standard that you pay per desk you either have a hot desk or a dedicated desk and it's a monthly rolling fee um I mean that had its challenges anyway it was like take we work for example we were in there when we were a two-man team and it was like right we, we're looking at expanding but we don't know how much to or to what size um so it's like do we we have to commit to like a four-person office a six-person office for and it was like well we, we weren't sure what size we were going to be and It's like, right, we get four and then suddenly we're up to six. We have to do something with that. And it was like, well, how does that work? You know, so I think they were locking you into things. It was a bit difficult to commit to. So what I think will happen now is if you've got that sort of small team where you can sort of say, actually, we don't need to be in an office five days a week or four days a week. What we might do is we might go in for one day a week or two days a week. um, And they might have to see, like, if they can do day rate you know and make it like that or actually you pay for 10 days a month rather than a month's worth of a desk space um so i think you'll you'll see a a different model come out of it obviously when you've got a distributed workforce
3: you have different health and safety and security concerns than you do if you're all in one building and you've got an IT person that can keep on top of all your technology. Um, When it's distributed, it's sort of making sure your team has the right equipment, that you're doing risk assessments, things like that. And I think a lot of companies don't realise that um, they need to be doing these things, even if their employees are working in their own homes.
0: Absolutely. Yeah. I think you've got the um, I, think you're right. so I think for me, the kind of health and safety of an office is critical. The wellbeing of staff is another category of they're working from home. Maybe they'd normally say if they weren't happy. Um, and so, effectively, you've got to be more attuned to that. But I think physically getting people back to work, there's a commute, which I think is the short term, and the health and safety conversations myself and Leanne have been on, involved in. Um, That's actually almost the biggest problem. A lot, in other words, you're relatively safe hopefully in in your own homes. Obviously, got to watch things like you know not being zoomed out and and the setting and not I neck ache for the first couple of weeks of lockdown. But um, I think it's it's basically uh, the commute. So I mean, I mean personally, I'm going to solve that with our business by the fact that nobody will be forced to do any commute if they don't want to. But beyond that, we are thinking about being back in in the office more. that's obviously a consideration. But I, I do think it's going to be the, getting the tech right. Ironically, having just lost my tech, uh, getting the tech right so that y- y- you can have a smooth working day, um, but then actually looking at what somebody's home set up like, do, do, as a business, do we need to invest? Do we need to help people? The people think it's all right, but actually they're working on a, on a paper at home It's going to give them chronic back pain in 10 years. You know? So that sort of stuff that, probably you would notice in an office um,
2: absolutely they're really easy things to cover remotely as well it sounds like it's really challenging but the fact of the matter is there's loads of places where you can get like template homeworking risk yeah. assessments so you don't even have to invest loads of money into this you just need to know which sort of questions you should be asking and it's perfectly okay for you to get your employees to complete one remotely and send it into you with some pictures or diagrams to kind of show that setup. And from there, then you can take all the recommendations for changes. And it's just little, like, say, little simple investments in, say, a good office chair for them, or, or you know, a, a desk set up in the spare room.
1: Yeah, I think that's that's what's going to happen. Is like I've seen some companies already do it, where they like set up a stipend for um, each employee to set themselves up at home properly. Um, and where they you know there's also there's actually technology that can use your webcam to monitor your posture and things like that and check that you're actually not slumped over and you're at the right height and you've got everything set up um so that you like you're saying there about having neck ache that first couple of weeks i mean i'm i'm i've got this office chair at my kitchen table because Mm -hmm. the first couple of weeks i sat on the kitchen uh, chairs which they do the job but god it was like i can't sit on this for 12 hours a day Uh, So it was.
0: Well that's why I've invested in a camera for this because I I sit much more naturally for this sort of call whereas on a surface pro it's easy because you think it's comfortable during the call but you're actually there for an hour sort of plumped over it so um, Mm. yeah I think it's a really good point the health and safety the well-being aspect of it I think as well there's a bit of a shift I think as, as well as the micro sort of sorting out people's working environment it'd be interesting to know how many people are now thinking I love being in an apartment but actually, I wasn't thinking of moving to a house until maybe after they've got kids or whatever. Who are now thinking, well, actually, the easiest solution really is actually getting a house that's got a fair room or even a home office. Yeah. Didn't you see how? Because in my experience of, of downturns, recessions, and things that are negative, there's always something huge that comes out. There's people who innovate, but there's also things that come out as an incidental. And I think one of them will be the housing economy has always been a, a really key part of the British economy. I think. The housing market will boom probably in about a year or two. But but I'm I'm sure if anybody's thinking about buying a house, I think it's probably a great time now to, to move. Because I do think there's gonna be an absolute surge of people who think actually now's the best time to move to a house on the apartment. Um and and the same applies obviously in the rental market as well. Um
1: I think with that as well is going back to the ability to be distributed. Um you know we we were thinking like would we then need when we if we do go back and when we do go back do we need a city center office anymore i mean the, mm-hmm. the appeal of the city center office is your transport hubs your everything on your doorstep your social interactions both you know after work and you know everything's around you and, and all that sort of stuff um but then you know like literally for me there's a converted barn now that's um co-working space I, I might i was i might even go there and I just see what i can do like, Let's say, I'm sat in the same room all day, and it, it does drive me mad every now and again. I'm thinking maybe that's not a bad shout. Um, and as, as you know, I like the outdoors and I get into the lakes quite a bit. So, the first month or so of lockdown, however, two months of lockdown before I could get up there again, it was absolutely killing me. And I, I, I was thinking, I can just move there now. I, I've proved I can work from anywhere, I could just go. And if we if I want to commute down for board meetings or once a week, twice a week, I can there's two hours in the car. That's that's not going to be a big deal. Whereas, like previously, I thought no chance. I have to be like tired or something before I get up there to do something like that because you've got to be near the centre, of the epicentre. and I think, I think again, that's what the opportunity is with distribution remote. Is you are going to want space to go to, hold the home, whatever it is, um, where you have yourself. Or, but what it does allow you to is connect with the rest of the world anywhere and that, that's something that I don't think we were even though we knew we had the technology and we have the ability to do a lot of this I don't think we were fully bought into it as a as a global thing I, don't, I think it was fully you know bought into that you can have again we're coming back to what we did the mentoring side is, is that you can have a mentor in your job if you're based in London it's you just got to work out what works for you in terms of a time difference to set up your monthly call. Previously, I think that was a bit of a, you know, it would be better if it was all in one place and and one spot because you can get that human interaction. But people are more attuned to that idea now that actually we can connect to the rest of the world. And like you were saying about hiring talent, it doesn't necessarily have to be someone who's in that spot. If they're the best person for the job and they're based somewhere else,
0: it's less of a barrier Totally agree, and I think you've touched on some of them already. But like, you know, it's often this, the salary to attract somebody, or you know, in the in the sort of cool tech companies, it was making a ball pit in the office and a, and a really nice place to make them sort of relocate. Now you're going to hire people like you say you've got ambitions that actually they're into mountaineering and they want to live in a different location, and because you'll allow that, that's great, and and give almost the flexibility gives gives them the opportunity to live the life that they thought might be twenty years away. I think it's really exciting for that and the knock-on effects of that will mean that there's there's obviously more opportunity for people who do want to live in a city, the the, the, the demand will go down for that. So I think it's phenomenal um, in terms of the opportunity. I know it's it's kind of weird to say it's phenomenal in the current sort of climate, but I do think all I can see is opportunity. I think as well, if you look look critically at one thing the UK doesn't do well historically is our infrastructure is quite poor, roads, rail, all that sort of stuff. We're actually quite a rural island that most people live in about five cities, don't they? So I think that will, will be helpful for the country, and the environment, and everything. The fact that you, know, you don't have to now rely on the train network that was already overloaded. And do we really need another massive train network to solve the problem? Or actually, can we just do business online a bit more travel than it suits? Um, yeah. Uh, holiday travel will will integrate as well. On a couple of our team already want to um, basically um, look at parts of the year where they're going to live in Spain, uh, you know, on a pseudo working holiday. So you know you're available. Um, I think I think that's huge because it gives you the opportunity to to work. I've always loved the freedom more than being bothered when I'm on holiday. I'm not one of those people who went and called me and says, "Oh, I'm sorry, I know you're holiday." Because I see that as a good back for total flexibility. So I, I've, I've absolutely loved this change. Um, and not the kind of clock in, clock out, well, I'm not going really to work now, it's 5.15 or whatever it might be. Yeah. But thought that the, I think travel could become more expensive for a little while, certainly for a few years. The fact that you could actually now integrate that into a simpler way of a longer trip that might be more cost effective rather than just a simple long-haul flight to the southern hemisphere, for example, Yeah. Um, so many things that are opening up. Um, so in terms of, um, if you were kind of summing up, I think it's been a really good exercise and thanks again to Kimmy and Leanne for really doing all the hard work on it and, and obviously for Mitch for your input, yeah, that's been absolutely incredible. Um, some of the insight and research that you've given and actually seeing your business now go on, I think you said it was five years, you reckon it's brought your business forward? In yep. terms of, this you know, I've just got six months. Um, if we were to do this again in six months, what do you think, might be some of your predictions, or what do you think we might not have covered? What do you think we might be talking about, I guess, when we come out of lockdown? So
1: for me, I think in six months' time, actually, I think one thing that's going to be very interesting in the next six months is the seasons. (laughs) Um, You know, we're dealing with a virus that is, as we know, from what we've been told by the scientists and the government, the heat actually helps suppress it if it's suppressed enough over the summer then we could have a semi-normal life again in september october but then if it's resurges then it's, it goes back in that's going to have an impact that we're not i don't think i've, I've thought about. Okay, but, uh, I heard it overheard it somewhere in the past that's a really good point um, but i think over the next season, it's going to be, moving towards whatever you know the, the sort of throwaway phrase that you're going to say the new normal um i think we're going to get much more we've already adapted we've already got used to, to this situation i think we will see some sort of return to the human interaction and back to the office space um but i think it's always going to be some some level of caution there's always going to be some level of this hasn't been away yet it's just going to be like a you flip the switch and we go back to Pubs and football stadiums and you know things like that and trains and transport. I think you're right. I think there's going to be it's going to be staged. It's going to be staggered. Um, But I think there is going to be the the, the attitude for a lot of people is going to be moving towards how I think we've gone through the survival bit. It's the bit that's like right. You've got to this point. You've gone through survival mode one. You're moving into recovery and progress. And I think that's where we're seeing a bit of a demand now. Is like well, our product's also been in demand for survival mode and helping people get through this phase one. There's actually a surge now coming of people going, right, we have to continue to develop our team. We're not going to, like the Silicon Valley example, of they're not going back to the office till New Year if they go back. They've got to start thinking and putting these things in places. So I think come the autumn is when you're going to start seeing the surge in, in a lot of things like that and a lot of people going back into the, we need to then progress. We've, we've gone through survival mode, initial phase, we've taken the hit and we've had to take. Now we've got to get moving towards uh, progress again. Mm,
2: absolutely. I think what I see for see being the biggest challenge is businesses like ours that are going to embrace remote working, or at least partially and flexible working, it's going to amplify things that were already somewhat an issue within the business sort of before all of this. So like one of the biggest challenges I see will be the communication. And be, like they say, we're sort of getting through this now and everybody's very forgiving because it, we're all still in crisis mode. When we start get, to get back to normal, people's attitudes might shift towards, well, why aren't they online when I'm online? And about the fact that every, every person is gonna have a different meaning of what work-life balance is for them or what flexible working means to them. And so there's gonna definitely be sort of cultural clashes within businesses between people who feel like they want to be back in the office, for example, and they want to be there All the time under standard office hours, as we've come to understand it, versus the people that are going to want to really embrace the flexibility, only go to the office when they need to. And there's definitely the potential for friction there, where you know people aren't getting the answers that they want, or they feel like other people in the business aren't working as hard as they are because they're less visible. So I feel like that's going to be a massive challenge for leaders to actually overcome, and that I don't think will rear its head until in about six months time, as people really do start to get back to what will be the norm now, um, is actually managing that within their culture. I don't, I haven't got an answer for, I don't know if maybe you or, or Richard have, but like I think yeah. that being quite a big challenge for people to be honest.
0: I think, it, and it sits really nicely alongside, if you, if you like us, which is relatively speaking we're a performance-based business, we're, we're only as good as the client thinks we are in a lot of cases, whichever part of our business you're looking at. And I think um, that danger that people don't realise they're not competing with themselves internally, they're actually making sure the client's happy. Um, work-life balance, all that flexibility I couldn't be more bought into, I think it's fantastic. But well, that might one day mean that you're you working for an American client, like I'm sure you do, Nick, where you've got, to, you've got to take a meeting at, I don't know, 9 o'clock at night or whatever it might be, and that could be differentiator with you winning that business or not. So. It, it's definitely, you're absolutely right. It's friction, it's balance, it's understanding that with greater autonomy, there's greater opportunity and we can definitely have greater earnings potential and all that sort of stuff. But there's also greater opportunity for our competition. And therefore, it will actually bring in competition. Now, if yeah. it, in our case, I, I back our employee brand proposition, I back it, you know, our ability to do a, a great job. Um, but you are going to recognise that now, we're not just competing with that, I don't know, the North West's best, competitors, or even the UK's best, you know, everybody will be thinking more globally. But for me, that's just an opportunity, it's a positive. But I think for anybody who's thinking, I just want it to go back to normal, I want to get my team back in the office in Manchester, and all that sort of stuff, I think that friction will be, yeah, it'll be uh, one, two, three years down the line.
1: Yeah, and I I think you're dead right there with, um, I think it comes down to, as the leaders, um, you have to make sure everyone's bought into the vision of what you're trying to achieve um i mean the way we operate we're still a small team we get a bit of flexibility with this but we don't have set hours we don't have like set routines or anything like that um essentially we have a serious level of autonomy but we know what we've got to achieve and what we're working towards and if we've got a deadline for something we know we have to sometimes throw everything in at that and everyone has to sort of muck in and, and go towards it But then there might be times that then you get that sort of, you can take the foot, not necessarily take the foot off the gas, but you get a bit of a breather compared to that. You're not going at that speed all the time. But there will be times when that happens. And I think that's, and again, that is the tricky balance with with working from home or working remotely. Back to the example of my cousin, there's going to be people who really struggle with that, especially maybe in the evening or the time they've got the kids or whatever it is, where they, they, they do that. And getting that balance is going to be the challenge. And that's going to be so from the leader side of it to get them, you know, right? How, how, having a conversation with them. what works for you. It's like right between one and three in the afternoon, I just can't do it because I've got I've got half of the kids. Um, but then I can do six to eight at night when no one else might be working. So it's like it's getting that understanding of what works best for people, how they operate the best, what environment they need, what support they need. What and it comes back to the fundamental of we talked about it at the very start of the conversation, the challenges of a remote team are often the same as the ones that you have in person, which is communication is probably the first one. is making sure all your communication channels are clear, making sure you're upfront about things, don't let things foster, don't let things build up. Clarity on it and then focusing on the vision and what you're working towards, getting everyone aligned with that, and getting them on board. That's, that's the way you achieve it, I think, with this.
3: I think as well, uh, just for a positive side of things, it's gonna be really interesting to see what sort of innovations and new technologies and everything that's gonna start springing up over the next six months, as people realize that remote working is here to stay, basically, Um, and it's gonna be really interesting to see the advancement in technology, but also to see like individual people within teams and them innovating personally or for their team or for their company as well so i think a lot of good ideas are going to come out of this um as well so yeah
0: definitely and, and, and one of the massive macro things if you've ever seen daniel priestley he talks about the baby boomer moving into the era, having more time so businesses that are perhaps now more leisure on. that's why the cafe sprung up, that sort of thing, and as, as the population grows in, in the older demographic, um, I think you've now got a demographic, and I certainly fall into this, I'm, I'm pretty sure Leanne does, in terms of people who've commuted quite a lot, they've had an hour or two at least every day, who literally have now got a day back, quite simply, um, and possibly more, if you then look at the meetings that, are, you know, as I mentioned earlier, getting across town or getting down to London, um, it's going to be fascinating to see what people do at that time. Is it a second job? Is it See pseudo setting up a business, with, you know, behind the scenes that, that is what they're going to be doing in five, ten years. There's so many interesting things that I think will come out of it in terms of innovation. It's brilliant. That really is. Definitely. Um, well, no, thanks everyone for your time. I'm, uh, I'm really looking forward to seeing how this develops. I'm, I'm looking forward to hopefully doing another one in two or three months of, of, of how it's kind of all panning out. Um, I think we've got some great predictions in there, but uh, Really enjoyed doing it. Catch you soon. Thank you very much.